Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. How do I ask my boss for a raise? I'm so jealous of my coworkers' promotion. I just don't know what to do. Is there a good way to brag about my accomplishments? Careers are complicated, and there are so many hush-hush topics we're told we can't talk about. That's why you have the Career Contessa podcast. I'm your host, Lauren McGoodwin, and each week I'm joined by experts to help you overcome your workplace woes with actionable advice that you can use today. Subscribe to the Career Contessa podcast and make progress in your career every Tuesday. Welcome to RealPod. It's your host, Victoria Garrick-Brown, and this is the podcast where we hold nothing back. Oh, so we're getting deep, huh? I really cried for 12 days straight. Why do I want to be perfect? There's nothing in my life that is perfect. Every week, I'll bring you honest, unfiltered, and eye-opening conversations to help uncover the real in all of us. I crave the type of content that you're talking about. I actually felt insecure. Oh my God, am I going to cry? Let me just unload everything. (laughs) (laughs) New episodes every Wednesday. Leave those filters at the door because it's time to get real. Welcome to Real Pod. It is a beautiful day. I am smiling ear to ear. I literally just finished recording this interview that you are about to hear. I am still pinching myself that I had the honor to sit down with the iconic, beloved Rain Wilson. If you're not familiar with Rain or the phrase Beats, Bears, and Battlestar Galactica, I highly advise you pause this episode and just go watch The Office, okay? I'm talking all the seasons. Gosh, that's such a good show. You know, growing up, I had friends and people who watched The Office and I was familiar with the show and the characters, but it wasn't until college when it was, was it on Netflix? I forget because they took it off, which was like the saddest thing ever. But I watched every single season, every single episode, and I'm just obsessed with it. It's one of the greatest shows ever made. And Max and his whole family, shout out Michael and Danielle especially, are big Office fans. So this was a major pinch me moment and very surreal. I'm sure many of you know, but Rain Wilson is an American actor, comedian, podcaster, producer, writer, director, most popularly known for his role as Dwight Schrute on The Office, which for his role, he earned three consecutive Emmy Award nominations. He is also the co-founder of media company Soul Pancake. 
And most recently, the author of his newest book, Soul Boom, Why We Need a Spiritual Revolution. And if you have not bought this book, read this book, or started this book, I highly suggest and recommend that you do so. I got the audio version on Audible so that I could listen to his voice because Rain Wilson just has one of the most charming, make you feel good sounding voices. I don't know how to explain it. You'll soon hear. So I listened to the book. It was incredible. And I am absolutely honored to have him here today to talk about the importance of meaning and purpose and to answer life's big questions and talk about why bad things happen to good people and what's the point of living? And what do we do when we're depressed and anxious and scared and afraid? And this was such a beautiful conversation. I was so inspired. I'm literally still buzzing. I mean, Rain just got off the Zoom like five minutes ago, which I can't even believe that. I was Zooming. You guys, I was on a Zoom with Rain Wilson. I want to give a big shout out to one of my mentors, Dr. Varun Sony, who is friends with Rain and was able to connect us. Dr. Varun Sony is just one of the most incredible people. And he's been on Real Pod twice now. So if you haven't listened to his episodes and you like this one, I highly recommend you check out his as well. But I know we're all dying to get into this conversation. So without further ado, please help me welcome the one, the only, the truly iconic Rain Wilson. Rain, thank you so much for finding the time. I really appreciate it. And we have an awesome mutual friend in Dr. Varun Soni. Dr. Varun Soni is the best. He is so inspiring and brilliant. Love him. So I'm so glad he was able to make this connection. Every single time I have a conversation with him, I feel like my life is impacted in some way. I love talking about life's big questions. I feel mm. like growing up, I felt like I was maybe in a bit of a bubble and I didn't really think far beyond whether it was my circumstance, my situation. And it wasn't until getting to college, dealing with anxiety and depression and body image issues that I fell like to my trenches and then started to almost be like forced to consider, wait, what is life? What's the meaning of this? What's purpose? Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. when you get into a depressive state, that's really where things go. So You're obviously someone who's incredibly passionate about these conversations. Soul Boom, fantastic. You'd been doing Soul Pancake even before that. So I'm curious to know what were your trenches and what led you there? Because that's usually the kicker for work like this. So it's a lot of questions. That's big. You're going (laughs) going really big and I like it. Take it however you want, though. No, it's, it's great. Listen, the great writer Julia Cameron who wrote The Artist's Way kind of workbook. She said, I come to spirituality not out of virtue, but out of necessity. And I love that quote because I think that really applies to me. So Soul Boom, Why We Need a Spiritual Revolution is about big questions. It's got a chapter on death, a chapter on God. It doesn't get bigger than that. Soul Pancake was the digital media company that I founded that we had a very successful YouTube channel and branded content digital marketing company for over 10 years. That was also founded on chewing on life's big questions because I really feel like, to quote Eli Wiesel, the answers shut people down and questions open people up. This really came for me from my personal story from on two different directions. One is I was raised a member of the Baha'i faith, 
And in the Baha'i faith, we accept all the different world's faiths. So when I was growing up, we had books from every faith tradition on our bookshelf. You know, we would be reading about Hinduism and Buddhism and Sikhism and Sunnism. And we would have people of all different faith traditions at our house. We would have meditations and we would say prayers and do really deep, interesting, mystical explorations. So I grew up in this kind of soup of pondering the big stuff. So that's part of it. I left the Baha'i faith and anything and everything to do with religion and spirituality pretty early in my adulthood. And when I went off to college, like a lot of college kids do. I'm actually curious, what was the moment or the thing? Because I remember for me, like a day or conversation where I was like, yeah, I don't know if the God thing's like panning out right now. Well, for me, It was complicated. It was the most immature reaction I'd ever had to anything in my life, which was I moved to New York City. This was in the late 80s. I was in a new city in New York City. And then and then I got appointed to being on a youth committee, which is like young Baha'is of New York City kind of committee, even though I had never even been to anything. And then I tried to kind of like assemble the people to be on the youth committee with me. And I this is before email. So for all of you Gen Zers and millennials out there listening, like this was like, we had to like call people. There were barely answering machines at that point. So you had to like call phone numbers and try and get a hold of someone and try back many, many times until you got them and leave a message. Hey, we're going to meet at this time. And I tried to get this meeting going and we finally sat on a meeting and I went there and then no one showed up. And at that point, no one showed up to my damn meeting and I was like, screw it. I'm done, which is like so juvenile. Right. I mean, (laughs) you know, it has nothing to do with anything profound or some big like philosophical schism or something like that. It was completely about miscommunication and crossed wires and frustration around that. The big philosophical schisms and ups and downs happened in the coming years afterwards. But that was essentially it from a big picture question. Like, I just didn't know if there was a God. And I thought that so much of religion was backward and corrosive and kind of something that old people needed to prop themselves up with. I just didn't want anything to do with morality and and thinking about I just wanted to think about myself and I wanted to think about my career and being an actor and being an artist in New York City. And and that was it. So that was enough for me to kind of jettison that whole world. I appreciate you sharing that because as you say that, well, two things come to mind. First, I always ask my I'm Greek, my Yaya. I'm like, so when you met people somewhere, you just had to trust they were coming. You didn't text. Are you five minutes away? You didn't send your pin. Like, how did anyone do anything? (laughs) (laughs) Somehow things got done. Somehow it was crazy. I cannot imagine that. But my story, my middle school religion teacher, shout out Mr. Murphy. I love him. And I would go to school early and I would just talk to him about God because I went to a Catholic school. We had a religion class and I was just always like, well, how do we know Jesus was really a thing? Because we don't have like the pictures, you know, things like that. So I'd always ask questions. I'd always been like one foot in, one foot out. But then in college, my now husband was aspiring to play in the NFL. And he was highly touted and really great. And, and he's such a good person. If I think of a good person, it's him. 
and it didn't work out for him. And it was, it wasn't like, oh, it just didn't work out, you know, dust your feet off. It was just like beat down time and time again. And I think for me, I was just like, why do bad things happen to good people? Who am I to pray for superficial things? Like, I don't know, making a football team when there's deeper issues, you know? So then I just felt like it might be easier to, I don't know. Yeah. Throw the towel in similar to you. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. And I would love to come back to why do bad things happen to good people? Because I have a lot to say on that topic. Please. I'd love the answer, Rain. <laughs> okay. It's a really important topic. So you probably are going to put a big giant pin in that. Okay? okay. Because it really has to do with mental health and it has to do with young people and their journeys today. But just to finish my story then. So here I am, I'm working as an actor in New York City and I'm, you know, I've got a fabulous girlfriend who's now my wife. We've been together 30 some years. I can't even count that high. And I'm living in a loft in Brooklyn and I'm, you know, I'm working as an actor. I'm, you know, having to work a lot of other jobs to pay the bills because I was broke. But nonetheless, everything was going beyond my wildest dreams for a suburban kid from suburban Seattle and suburban Chicago who had never even met a professional artist before. I was, you know, a professional artist and this was really incredible, but I was really, really unhappy. And it took me a long time to kind of figure out how unhappy I was. And it started manifesting itself by anxiety attacks. So when I graduated from college, I was about 23, 24 years old. I started getting these crippling anxiety attacks that would come from out of nowhere. I would be shaking, sweating on the ground, on the floor, thinking I was dying. I mean, I came like a hair's breadth away from calling 911 like five different times. I think I spoke to the doctor at NYU because I was still under coverage and I told him what happened. And he's like, oh, those are anxiety attacks. Don't worry. You're not having heart attacks or anything like that. And, and I started getting really depressed. And it was like this multi-year battle with anxiety, depression, and then you throw addiction in there. So then I was kind of started drug use and started relying more and more on alcohol over the years. And this just led to me being more and more miserable. And that's when I decided to kind of start really deeply and on my own investigating life's biggest possible questions because it was very important for me to find the answers because I was so miserable. This wasn't like, oh, I was a philosophy major and I like to ponder the meaning of life. Like I was like thinking maybe I was gonna die. So what is the meaning of life? That has a very different flavor when you, when you think that you might die and when the stakes are that high. We're going to take a quick break to talk about our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you've been listening to RealPod for a while, or if you're new, you'll find out very quickly. I'm a therapy girl. I love therapy. It has been instrumental in helping me with so many different challenges and things in my life. And the best part about therapy is no matter what you're dealing with, right? Whether this is really intense, difficult situations in your life, or simply you're trying to strike more balance at work, you're trying to just spark more joy, therapy is the place. 
And if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time with no additional charge. And that is key, my friends, because you really want to vibe with this person. You are like telling them things you probably maybe never told your best friends or family. So you want to make sure the vibe is right. And I love that BetterHelp lets you take the time it takes with no additional charge to find that therapist that you really click with. Also, therapy can just give you tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. And I've just had so many amazing takeaways, quotes, epiphanies, you know, unlocks mentally, it feels like, from talking through my problems. And I couldn't recommend it enough no matter what it is that you're going through. Once again, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Find more balance with BetterHelp by visiting betterhelp.com slash realpod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, better, H-E-L-P.com slash RealPod to get 10% off your first month today. Cozy Earth has been one of the RealPod sponsors for a while now, and I am thrilled because I, you guys, I cannot even express this enough. Max and I just upgraded to a king-size bed, so we needed new sheets, and I, of course, was not about to leave my cozy earth sheets from our queen bed behind because they are truly the best sheets ever. I can't explain this. Like, you know that feeling when you get into the most dreamy, luxurious, soft hotel bed? It's better than that. I mean it when I say we sleep on cozy earth every single night. And not only am I a Cozy Earth fanatic, but Oprah named Cozy Earth's best-selling bamboo sheet set one of her favorite things in 2018. It's temperature regulating and incredibly soft. This is the one that we have. And the temperature regulating is no joke. Like our sheets are always cool and a really nice temperature. And that's so important because Max more than me, but he hates getting really hot at night. So we always want to make sure that we're comfortable and cozy, but not overheating. Cozy Earth also has so many different things on their website. I mean, they have a linen bedding collection, which could add casual elegance to any space. They have PJs. I actually literally wore Cozy Earth PJs the night of my wedding. Well, the mornings I woke up in Cozy Earth and I gifted it to all my bridesmaids and we wore it the entire day. Like forget the cute little silk robes everyone does. No, I was like, I want to be in the Cozy Earth button downs because those things are soft. So Take my word for it, and Cozy Earth has provided an exclusive offer for RealPod listeners today with up to 35% off site-wide when you use the code RealPod. That's a major deal, okay? Up to 35% off site-wide when you use the code RealPod at CozyEarth.com. Why not give up? Well, I think why I didn't give up is because I was raised in the Baha'i faith and because I saw so much light and hope from living a spiritual life. I saw the power of prayer. I experienced the power of meditation, the power of a diverse group of people coming together with love to commune together, to be in devotion together, to do service projects together, to try and heal the world together and heal themselves together. I had experienced this as a kid. So had I not, I don't know. I don't know if I'd be here. And I think like so many young folk today that have suicidal ideation, there isn't often that idea of hope. Everything feels incredibly hopeless. Mm -hmm. You know, climate change anxiety is a big deal. You know, I'm 
I'm in the last half of my life and I read these headlines about climate and, and I just, I can barely read them and it, it just makes me want to vomit. But there's, so I think because I'd had that taste, then I knew that there was the possibility of some kind of, for lack of a better word, salvation. And I don't mean that in terms of like the pearly gates kind of salvation, although I have nothing against that belief system. But what I arrived at through my study, and I really read the works of the Buddha, and I read the Bhagavad Gita and some of the Vedas and you know the Quran, and I read the Bible from cover to cover. And I started reading. This is when you were trying to self like recover. You started reading these. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't in recovery per se. I was trying to find solutions for my misery. Mm -hmm. And I turned toward faith traditions and wisdom traditions and spiritual ideas to try and do this. I think it was a little different in the 90s too. There weren't a lot of resources. The internet was barely a thing. No one talked about mental health back then. Not many people were in therapy. Therapy existed, but it wasn't as common and ubiquitous as it is today. So this was all I knew to do was to explore spiritual ideas around the meaning of life. And long story short, went back to the Baha'i faith and I started practicing that faith tradition. But more importantly than that, and I think that it's something that people can really latch onto in terms of a mental health epidemic, is an, a deep understanding that we are spiritual beings and that we're having a human experience, we're having a corporal experience. We get 80, 90, 100 years in these bodies. Mine's rapidly aging. Victoria, I don't know if you could tell, but I'm falling apart at the seams. <laughs> but that's not my reality. That's not who I am. This is just my meat suit that I'm wearing around for a while. And, and I'm having a spiritual experience while in my body. You know, Pierre Tehart de Chardin has my very favorite quote, which is, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. And this to me, that, that key concept, which is in every faith tradition, every single one from top to bottom, indigenous faith, Buddhism, you know, even reincarnation is this whole idea that we are, we are more than our bodies. We are our, our, our spirit, our soul, whatever you want to call it, our consciousness is, is, is going to continue its journey in some way, shape or form when the life of our body is done. So this to me gives me great hope and solace. This to me gives my life great meaning. And it also frames and puts into kind of crystal perspective why I am a human being and why I am going through what I am going through because I am a spiritual being. And guess what? Spiritual beings suffer. Spiritual beings have ups and downs. Spiritual beings have challenges. And spiritual beings can find tools to find ever greater kind of solace and light and, and freedom over the course of our lives. I love that quote. It's also one of my favorites. And I think when we think about how many young people especially are struggling with depression and anxiety and all these body image issues and whatnot, I think it's because we're in this like pressure cooker of social media and Instagram posts and TikTok and what's on your resume and 
what kind of job are you getting and what's your salary your first year out of school and like you are taking these spiritual beings and just churning them in this like money driven society i had this thought the other day where i was like everything in this world is to make money I'm like we're trying to make money the advertisements are trying to make money the show is making money and i'm like you know i think back to when like society hadn't evolved as much and people just woke up harvested the food they needed to eat that day sang songs around a campfire and like went to sleep Well, I think about the people in the caves a lot. And I think about how the origins of our mental health crisis started with human beings in caves, because I'm no specialist, but it probably a beautiful quality of life. I think food was probably abundant. I think the world was probably also really hard. You know, if you got an infection, probably was a death sentence, all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah. The people did better that were able to amass stuff, right? So they were able to have more deer hides and more jerky and more (laughs) corn, you know, and more spears stacked up in their caves. They did better. So amassing stuff on some kind of primal level based in our brains equals safety, equals survival. My grandfather grew up in the depression and he was well off. He owned a sewer construction company. And he would take like slivers of soap and put them in a Ziploc bag. And then he would melt them together to create a bar of soap. And he would spend so much time, you know, not being wasteful because he grew up during the depression. That's a fear of, you know, deprivation because they feel like everything is going to get taken away from them. And in a weird way, humanity is kind of like that. We feel like everything is going to get taken away from us and we're going to lose everything. And so we've got to stock up the deer jerky and the spears and the corn in our cave. So what's the equivalent? Well, it's money now. So, you know, we want money. We want shelter. We want sex. We want social status. We're in a society that is on a mad drive to accrue all of those things without kind of taking a deep breath and looking around us and thinking about the greater ramifications and thinking about well-being and how it works and happiness and how it works because it does not come from accruing stuff. Some of the most miserable days I've spent on planet earth were when I was doing the office and I had lots of money, lots of fame and social status. And I certainly had shelter. I had everything that I could want. And yet I wanted more and I was chronically dissatisfied for many years. I want to pull back the curtain even further on that. I'm curious the timeline of these personal revelations you're having. And then we mirror that with a version of you that like the world is seeing on TV. And yeah, we assume millions of dollars hosted SNL, like Emmy nominated. That's the life. And that's what all the other struggling actors like they want to be where you are. Did you have a moment where it hit you and you were like, oh, wait, I feel like shit today, but I'm going to film a hit show. How do those two things exist in the same world? Yeah, it was, you know, I was in recovery in the 12 steps around, you know, alcohol and I was in therapy and I was asking myself that question all the time, but yet somehow it wasn't working because I still was really miserable. And it, it just took me a while to get through, but you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, On paper, I had everything that a human being could ever possibly want, certainly an actor, and yet I was chronically dissatisfied. But I want to go back to those cave people again, because being chronically dissatisfied and anxious even kept us alive. Because when the bushes 
rattle outside of the cave. It could be a bear that wants to eat us. Now I sound like Dwight. So being cautious, anxious, what's around the corner, I could die. And being chronically dissatisfied, I only have seven deer hides. I really want to have 27 deer hides, but it kept us alive. It kept our species moving forward. Well, now what? So here we are. We're living in the age of total abundance. We're in the wealthiest country in the history of the human race. We can't even provide health care for our citizens. Even health care is a profit-based system. I mean, aliens are probably looking down on our planet right now and going, what the hell? Wait, I'm so glad you said that because I think that all the time. My dad and I joke that they just kind of like the crop circles are like teenage aliens fucking with us. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, but they're probably looking down. I mean, they're probably wondering all kinds of things like, hey, these humans know that CO2 causes climate change and that they're extinctioning hundreds of animals a year, destroying the planet for their grandkids and great grandkids. And they just keep doing it. What the what is going on down there? Yeah. But the same thing with healthcare that, you know, I'm just using that as an example of our caveman animalistic mentality, which is profit at all cost. And healthcare should be set up to just take care of people and, and heal them and not to make money. And then you create a system in which you profit by keeping people sick. You keep people really unhealthy and they can keep having to go back to doctors and get new pills and different pills and different injections and whatnot. And you're making more and more money. So you want to keep that system going. You don't want people to just be healthy. But this, again, comes from that base impulse that we have to override with spiritual tools. Now, one could say, well, yeah, I don't need God for that. I can use psychological tools. And yeah, that's true. But these tools of positive psychology, pretty much every single one you can find in a faith tradition from thousands of years ago. The idea of a spiritual revolution that I talk about in my book is a kind of recalibration and a complete rethink on how and why we do things and to try and bring a spiritual perspective. I actually wanted to talk to you about identity because I know for me personally on my spiritual journey, I'm really gravitating to the concept of the stories we tell ourselves about who we are and what we do are just stories and that we can be so much more beyond. Like I grew up a volleyball player. I was always known as a volleyball player. I built my platform on being a volleyball player and now I don't play sports. And I definitely had that weird year of, okay, well, am I an athlete? Who am I? What's my value add? What has your identity journey been, especially since you're in a unique spot where there's a lot of people who think they know your identity. Right. Yeah, it's and this has been a struggle and why, you know, in the book in the first chapter, the whole thesis of the first chapter is why the hell is the guy who played Dwight writing a book on spirituality? This because I imagine to a lot of people like wait, what? The beat farmer is writing a book on God and death and the soul? What the hell is going on in this world? What is Hollywood up to? There's an example that I use. I'm going to go back to the cavemen again. You love your cavemen. <laughs> I love my cavemen because when I was studying acting and theater at NYU, we had this incredible teacher named Zelda Fitchandler, who's kind of the grand dame of the American theater. And she liked to refer to actors as shaman and theater artists as shaman. Now, when you think about a shaman, we don't know exactly what a shaman does or did. Right. We know that and it's in every culture in the world. But a shaman was a medicine man. 
So a healer, a holy man, some kind of priest, intermediary, a visionary, a mystic, but also a storyteller. Also, you know, probably song and dance man, maybe stand up comic, you know, keeping the traditions alive of the tribe and the mythologies of the tribe alive, sharing the stories of the hunt of the day, etc. So I love this idea of actor as shaman because that to me has a real charge to it. Yes, I am a storyteller and I love that. And that is a powerful word, storyteller. And I played dozens of roles as an actor before I played Dwight Schrute. And since I've played Dwight Schrute, I've played dozens of roles. Some of those roles people have really enjoyed. Some of those roles people don't give a shit about. That's okay. That's what, that's what an actor's life is. But I've also been a powerful part of telling stories. Soul Pancake was a, a company that we built that, you know, and it had three and a half million YouTube subscribers early on in YouTube, which it was a lot harder back then. And, you know, a social media presence. And we wanted to tell positive and uplifting stories. And I helped create and found that run that company. I was writing books. I was doing, you know, blogs and vlogs and podcasts. And, and I was being an, an advocate and an activist for climate change, for education, women's, women and girls' education. And this is all part of being a shaman for me. I've also been studying religion and spirituality and faith. And this is part of being a shaman as well, is that, that spiritual connection. So for me, I've, I've, I'm very grateful because now I don't see as much of a disconnect in terms of identity. I know it sounds pretentious, but I think of Rain Wilson as a shaman. Like I can be a comic. I can go up on a microphone and tell jokes if you want. I could play crazy, dumb characters and fall down the stairs and take my shirt off. Or I can write a book on spirituality or I can have an intense conversation like we're having right now. It's all part of the same I recently went on a fun bachelorette trip to Cabo and I posted a story about the cute gym shoes I was wearing because that's a long travel day, okay? And I always wanna make sure that my feet are supported. I have naturally flat feet and my arches will hurt like instantaneously if I don't have support for a good amount of time. And Vionic is the best and comes in clutch because not only do they have so many different shoe options, heels, boots, sneakers, really whatever type of shoe you're looking for, sandals, slippers, but all of Vionic's shoes have their exclusive Viomotion technology, which truly sets them apart. They began by revolutionizing medical orthotics, and today they continue to use that science to engineer shoes that leave you feeling energized and confident all day. Vionic offers a 30-day risk-free trial, so wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days if you're not satisfied for any reason at all. So really, there's no reason not to try. You can use the code REALPOD15, that's REALPOD, one word, R-A-A-L-P-O-D-1-5, at checkout for 15% off your entire order at www.vionicshoes.com. This is just for the month of July, so take advantage. That's code REALPOD, all caps, one word, with a 15 at the end, REALPOD15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at www.vionicshoes.com. Okay, this is maybe a little TMI, but 
I don't wake up in the morning with perfect breath, okay? And I probably wake up with it slightly worse than the average person. And when it comes to toothpaste and mouthwash and anything like that, I am always open to trying new things because... Your girl's trying to have a minty fresh breath, okay? And that's why I like Bite Toothpaste. Bite Toothpaste bits are so convenient. You just pop a bit in your mouth, chew it up, and start brushing. And it will turn to paste just like you're used to, but with no plastic tube or messy paste. And my literal pet peeve in life is when the bathroom is flawlessly cleaned and I look into the sink and there's a wad of blue toothpaste from something Max spit out brushing his teeth in the morning. And I'm just like, you couldn't have cleaned it, babe? You couldn't have wiped it out? The blob's there. Anyways, for the many reasons that Bite Toothpaste Bits are amazing, the number one reason for me is you don't have to worry about messy toothpaste getting all over your bottle, your toothbrush, or in the sink. Bite Toothpaste Bits also come in refillable glass jars, and they send refills in compostable pouches. So they're not only amazing for our bodies, but better for the earth. No more plastic toothpaste tubes. Bites makes plastic-free alternatives for everything on your bathroom sink, by the way. They have toothpaste, mouthwash, toothbrushes, deodorant, all these amazing products without compromise. And Bites sleek glass bottles and jars look amazing on your vanity and elevate your shelf life game. You know, you don't have to like worry about having a mirror that opens and hides everything because it's ugly. You know, you can get that aesthetic going. Bite is offering our listeners 20% off your first order. Go to trybite.com slash realpod. That's trybite, T-R-Y-B-I-T-E dot com slash realpod. Or use code realpod at checkout to claim this deal. That's trybite.com slash realpod for 20% off your first order. Something I've been trying to think more of is like the and can be this and this and this and this and doesn't mean mm-hmm. one thing means you can't be many. I'm really glad that you brought this up and I know that you you talk about it a lot in your podcast and in your work, but I do think that there is this undue pressure on a certain segment of the young people in America to kind of like figure out what you are and like nail down your identity. You know what I mean? Like, no, but like I am this kind of athlete. I am I am a lawyer. I am Ivy League. I am you know, a national merit scholar. I am an activist for, you know, rescue kittens. And then you've got your whole identity locked. And like, now I'm set. Once I get my identity all figured out and I'm set for life. Mm -hmm. And that kind of pressure to kind of figure that out, especially when you're young, when you're in your early mid twenties or something is crazy impossible. And our identity shifts and our life's journey shifts. And we have to stay open to where the winds of the universe take us. You're completely right. I work on this in therapy all the time. I'm incredibly black and white. I'm like, it's this or it's that. I hate gray area. And I feel all the time my solution to things is great, then I'll never do that again. Or I'm going to cut this off. Like it's, it's very definitive. I found that that's especially hard for me just as a person. That's one of my things where like, I just need to be okay being, being in the in-between, being in the unknown and not finishing that sentence. Yeah. It's really important. How do you marry the teachings and the spiritual wisdom that you've accumulated with living in a society that's not close to the one that ideally, you know, you believe would be optimal for us? Like, for example, you write this amazing book, but there's a price for it. There's units that have to be sold. A publishing company bought the rights. It's going to be a bestseller or it's not. It's going to get praised or it's not. How do you separate wanting to put your work out there and detach from the external validation? You know, to unpack it, 
there's actually a lot of different ones lumped together because one of the things you're talking about is ego, right? And this is one of the most ancient spiritual battles of all time is the ego. And what is my ego? Like it wants my identity, me, Rain Wilson, to have glory and social status, to feel soothed and have comfort and to feel well and whole. And it's going to do anything to do that. Usually kind of voraciously and rapaciously to try and fill those, that angsty questions of being alive, of mortality. So that is a spiritual battle and that's in every faith tradition, right? There's so many works that you can look at. In a modern sense, the works of Eckhart Tolle deals a lot with the insistent self and the ego. I love yeah. Eckhart. That was my whole 2020 was reading A New Earth. Oh, that's one of my very favorite books. Top top five favorite yeah, book. Yeah, so good. The battle of the ego is one thing. For me, like with my book, like I want people to like my book. And there have been a couple of reviews that have not been so good. And there's some people who are like, nah, 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 nah. And there's been some born again Christians that have been attacking it. And that's okay. And then I get to have that struggle. That's part of my struggle. And then, so the other part of it is I'm not monastic, right? I'm not like writing a book for free and just handing it out to people, right? I, I got paid in advance. I have a company, Hachette Publishing. I want them to make some money because <laughs> I want to do another book, but I also want them, I like them and I want them to be successful. And so I am part of a capitalistic system and I am playing a capitalistic game. I want to move units of my book. Let's go, baby. Let's sell some units. But the, you know, the larger question here, and let me get as real as I can possibly get is this is a real pod and I'm yep. going to get real pod on your ass <laughs> yes. right now. And that is in, in all honesty, the world as it exists right now, contemporary society, contemporary Western civilization, as it exists right now is sick and corrupt and heading for a big fall. And I don't mean to be a doomsday, doomsayer, apocalypse predictor, conspiracy theorist. That's not what I'm talking about. Our systems are broken. This is evidenced by the mental health epidemic among young people with suicidal ideation up a third over the last 10 years, anxiety, depression affecting over 50% of young people, loneliness being a, a, a new epidemic that the Surgeon General is talking about, one of the health, biggest health crises of our age. This is systemic. This is not just a, a blip and like, oh, we just need a little more therapy and we need some nice Instagram quotes and then we'll all feel better. It's because our systems are so broken. They're backwards. They're upside down. They're based on profit. They're based on greed. They're based on lust, superficiality. Our systems are based on competition, contest, one-upsmanship, backstabbing every man for himself, kind of rampant aggressiveness and rampant individualism. There's nothing wrong with a little bit of competition and a little bit of selfishness. But when it is running the show, literally, when every system on the planet from healthcare to agriculture to education to our partisan political system is being run in this with this kind of venal, corrupt, hyper-aggressive attitude, animalistic, as we've been talking about, we're headed for a fall and I'm scared. And I really do believe, and the reason I wrote this book is because I truly believe that there are spiritual tools from the world's faith traditions that we need, we can harness, and that can make the world 
better. And it's super important to understand that spirituality is not simply, oh, I go to this yoga class and I do a meditation, I listen to Headspace and I look at a crystal and I, and I read a Rumi quote and now I feel better and now I'm done, okay? That's kind of how contemporary urban America views spirituality as something like, it's almost consumerist, it's capitalistic. There's nothing wrong with yoga or, or, or meditation, I love them. But these spiritual tools from the world's faith traditions, from the Bible, from the Quran, from all of the great works and the great holy teachers, and even the contemporary, contemporary holy teachers like Eckhart Tolle, we need to draw on that wisdom and that way of being to transform how we do things culturally, societally, in community, in consultation, with compassion, with love and mutual care, not being self-centered, but being other-centered. This kind of maturity we don't have right now, we're at a crisis point, we're at an inflection point. And so this is not like an actor who's like, oh, I read some books and here's a few ideas for you to ponder. Life's big questions, which you started out, you know, life's big questions can save us. Yeah. Your seventh pillar of harnessing radical compassion was one of my favorites because I feel like we don't do that enough. It's just, oh, you don't agree with me. I don't agree with you. I'll never see your side. I'll never like at the end of the day, it starts with each of us doing this work and then being able to bring that to the relationships we have in the communities that we have to hopefully affect enough change that we can work our way up to where the decisions are being made in government and and whatnot. But mm-hmm. it feels very intimidating when you map it all out like that. I think there's two choices, right? You can say, well, we're never going to convert these people. We're never going to get these people to wake up and be the way that we want them to be. So you can either give up or you can choose to try and create the impact because that's all that we can do. Another one of those tools that I bring up in the last chapter of the book and my seven pillars for a spiritual revolution is it's called It's Grassroots, Baby. Because it's hard to think of these giant, how, how am I going to change healthcare? Well, I'm not, okay? I'm not going to change education. I'm not going to change partisan politics. What can I do? I can build community at the grassroots. You're doing this with your podcast, right? You're building community around these conversations that you're having. You're part of the solution. So congratulations, you're doing great. Can you then harness this community toward good? Can you harness them into action so they're not just downloading their pods so that they feel better and refreshed, but they actually are incited to some kind of action. And that action can be, one possibility is to work at the grassroots. Now, what does that mean? That can be very vague. Well, it can mean volunteering at your kid's school and trying to you know, improve things on a, on a small level. It can be doing that at a local church. It can do it in your local cul-de-sac. There's all manner of ways to be working at the grassroots because one of the problems we're in in contemporary America is we are in a culture of protest. We protest everything. You know, there's some injustice that happens and Twitter lights up and we're like, ah, and there's demonstrations and letters to the editor. And then it's either fixed or it's not fixed and it just goes away. Look at the school shootings, right? There's outcry, 48 hours, week, two weeks. And then it just goes away. Everything's exactly the same. So it's much harder to build something than it is to protest something. Protesting is, is pretty easy. 
it's really hard to collaborate with people and work with them and sacrifice your time and your energy to try and make the world a better place. But unfortunately, that's what we have to do. But we, we can start small. We can start small. Before we go, and I want to respect your time, I'm circling but back. Wait, to... I didn't get to talk about my pin, the pin and the thing. I was just saying I'm circling back to our pin on my bad things. Oh, good. To good people. Good. <laughs> you read my mind. Yes, because I feel like everyone, I'm, I want to know the answer before we go. Why do bad things happen to good people? Okay, so this is why I believe that these conversations about these big topics is so important. So let's go, let's put that aside for a second and let's go to death. So culturally, we don't talk about death. Death is a no-no. Oh, it's icky. It makes me feel sad and depressed. I don't want to talk about it. Well, throughout all of human history, through every spiritual tradition and every philosophical tradition, we've always talked about death. What is death? What happens after we die? What is the purpose of it? How do we grieve death? How do we build community and come together around death? We're not having those conversations. So by not having conversations about death, we're also not having conversations about suffering. Because if we are spiritual beings having a human experience, then what is our purpose on this world? Well, one can say that our purpose on this world is to suffer. It sounds terrible. It sucks. And I could see a lot of people going, no, it's to be joyful. It's like, yes, it's to be joyful. And joy, joyfulness allows for suffering. It's to have, it's as the Buddha says, it's a joyful acquiescence in the presence of suffering. Yeah. So we, we can feel a tremendous joy and we can suffer and we can do both and you can feel joy through the suffering, but this is how our souls grow. This is how our souls grow and mature and wisen along our journey in our meat suits for 80 or 90 years. So this is why suffering happens, right? Suffering is there to teach us. There's so much suffering that I've had in my life, and maybe you have too, and your husband. You know, had you not gone, had you and your husband not gone through those tests around being athletes and trying to find your identity post athletes, you wouldn't be out where you're at right now, right? Correct. I don't think either of us would, I mean, as much as you know, you have dreams and you hope they work out. I don't think either of us would go back and change anything because you don't know where you'd be now and we love where we are. Yeah, you, you found where you are and you found power in where you are, but you went through some dark and difficult times, right? So that's how life works. And I'm old enough, I'm grizzled and old enough to look back at all of these difficulties that I've been through in my life. And I'm so grateful for them because I got so much out of them. And so... So now let's back it up further. So we started with death. We talk about suffering. Let's talk about the mental health crisis. For young people, the number one thing that psychologists say that young people need more of through a mental health crisis is resilience, right? They always come back to this word resilience. We don't have resilience because we're not talking about suffering and we don't have resilience because we're not talking about death. And if we had a philosophy of like, here's the purpose of life, Here's why we suffer. Here's how it's connected to all of life. And then it leads us to death, but death is not the end. Don't worry. Our spirit, our light, our soul, our gifts, our consciousness, our whatever you want to call it is going to continue on in a magnificent and eternal journey. But we're going to take with us the wisdom that we've gained through this human experience. 
this gives us resilience because then we can know like, oh, I can have setbacks, difficulties, disappointments. I can be triggered and it's okay. I can be triggered. I can be overwhelmed. I can be really angry. Someone can piss me off. I can disagree with someone and it's okay. It's all part of the human struggle and I'm going to be fine and I'm going to continue on my journey. So going to back to why bad things happen to good people, I'll just wind this all up. It's like suffering happens to everyone. And it's a mystery of the universe. Why, it ha why is there a baby that's born and it has bone cancer? I mean, that baby didn't do anything. We have to completely remove suffering from any kind of like judgmental God that's out there like sending lightning it's bolts right. and it's pointing fingers. It's not personal. Right. This, whatever, whatever God is, is not any kind of being, not any kind of man being or a Zeus being, or I call it in the book, Sky Daddy. There's no Sky Daddy <laughs> Sky looking Daddy. down at us yeah, going like, that's a bad baby. I don't like that baby. And I don't like that family. So I'm going to give that baby bone cancer. There's a lot of suffering that happens. My good friend, Javier, God rest his soul, two and a half weeks ago, he just keeled over of a heart attack. And he was such a pure, good, kind, wonderful man. He died. His family is we're all sad. His family is just absolutely heartbroken. I'm not trying to bring everyone down. This just, this happens. This is a part of life. So suffering is a part of life and it happens to good people and it happens to bad people. And sometimes bad people escape suffering in certain ways that maybe they shouldn't, but guess what? There's something larger running the show. So again, talking about life's big questions, resilience, suffering, death, they're all connected and mental health, because we as a culture are not having these conversations. That was really helpful, honestly, as I'm putting together, I fully am a believer in every, all humans are suffering and that's what makes us human and that's how we can connect. And also, if I were to hypothetically think about, okay, well then what's the reality I'm asking for? Good people never suffer. Then if a good person from birth, like never, they'll never ever develop as a person because you have exactly. to go through tough times. Um, and I, I, I put that and sorry to jump in there, but I put that in my book. I have a whole section about like, well, do we want, is that what people want is a universe without suffering? Like babies don't cry coming out of the birth canal. Like the woman's vagina just opens up to the size of two feet. So the baby plops out. We never get skinned knees. We never get stubbed toes. We never get <laughs> but, broken bones. But also if you don't have the negative, you don't have the positive. And when I think about the no. love I feel for the people I love and the joy I feel in the joyous times those literally wouldn't exist if I didn't have the contrast of the pain and the suffering. Yeah. This absolutely. was an unlock, Rain. This was an unlock. I'm glad we came back to the pin. All right. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. I really, really appreciate it. I know you've been, you know, making rounds, promoting the book, and it means the world that you came on my show. Bucket oh my list gosh. for sure. So thank well, you. You're doing great work, really. And you're creating a beautiful community and you know, Varun speaks so highly of you and you are, you know, it's all about transformation. You know, I love that word transformation because an actor transforms, like we get words on a page, we get Dwight words. It says Dwight colon, you know, fact, I am faster than 80% of all snakes. That's the line. Like, how am I going to transform Rain Wilson into Dwight Schrute so that people believe I'm Dwight? So there's a beautiful magic of transformation. And that's what you've done. You've, you've transformed your life into making a positive impact. And I think all of your followers, the reason they love you is, is for that. And you will inspire them to do the same thing because we're all transforming individually. And we can also work on transforming collectively.
Thank you. I'm going to snippet that as my alarm clock every morning. So I wake up with inspiration. Thank you so much, Rain. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of RealPod. If this hit home or helped you in some way, send it to a friend, a teammate, roomie, share the love, share the realness. New episodes of RealPod come out every single Wednesday. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To leave a rating or review of the show, head to iTunes and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you. Not to mention, you can stay connected with RealPod throughout the week seeing behind-the-scenes info and sneak previews of upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day. And as always, keep it real. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.